This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by the K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Oldar, Min, and JR. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 14, or Episode 43 in total of this little podcast. And this is also the second to last episode of this season, which, ah, it all happened so fast. (laughs) Anyhow, today we're going to be talking about what happened in K-pop this year. As every year, a lot of things happened, so we're only going to be talking about a few events, like... Debuts, company changes, lawsuits, who went into the military, and so on. But we cannot cover absolutely everything because that would take us hours. Because we do have a document that we will link in the episode description that is called the Master List of Events from 2021. It is not complete, there's probably things that we have missed. There is definitely things that we have missed in that document, but it has a lot more info of what happened in 2021 than this episode will. This episode is more just a highlight reel of some of the things that happened. So if you, for some unholy reason, check this godforsaken document and figure out that uh, there's things that we have missed, please leave comments on it so we can update it because, oh, there is so much, so much that we have missed. But anyway, (laughs) let's actually start the episode. All right, well, let's start off by talking about who debuted this year, specifically some notable debuts. As there were over 45 groups alone that debuted, we're only going to be talking about a handful of them. But before we start, there have been many members of groups going solo, so here are a few of those. And yes, these are still members who are part of their groups. They did not leave their groups. They're just doing some solo work. Starting with girl group members, Blackpink's Rosé and Lisa finally got their solo debuts after how many years has it been? (laughs) Two, three since they announced that those would be happening. (laughs) But finally, they had their solos and they were pretty good. Red Velvet's Joy and Wendy also had their solo debuts. Although Wendy has done some solo work, but I think this was like an official debut. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think she actually had a comeback now instead of just singles, OSTs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's done a lot of SM stations. I think that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And this artist, she was still a CLC member at the time, but Soren recently left Cube and CLC, but she did have a solo debut this past year as well. For boy groups, four members of GOT7 finally got solo debuts. Hallelujah, it's taken so long. <laughs> These members were Park Jin Young, Yugyum, JB, and Bam Bam, of course. EXO's Dio and Monsta X's IM also got solos. I personally am partial to EXO's Dio's solo debut. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. You'll hear more of that in the next episode. (laughs) But as for members from bands who had solo debuts, this was pretty cool. Day 6's Young K and N-Flying Sunghyub, who goes by Jadon for his activities outside of the group, they both had their solo debuts as well. So that was pretty fun. And then we've also seen members from disbanded groups who finally got a chance to re-debut. Notably, former Ice One members Unbi and Yo Yuri both had their separate solo singles and both are actually nominated for Best New Female Artist at the MAMA Awards this year, which might have already happened when this episode comes out, but it hasn't happened when we record it. 
yes, Mama isn't the greatest, but out of all of the female acts that have been nominated for this, those are the only two solos. All the others are groups, so that's why I wanted to mention it. And personally, I was really happy to see Soyeon, who left Tara many years ago, <laughs> actually start to release music again and having her own music video, so it was very nice. And somebody that I didn't expect to see comebacks from for some reason. But it was nice. Her songs are good. This year, there were also two groups who actually re-debuted. So it was a group who had a debut, and for some reason or other, they now got the chance to re-debut under a new name with either all the same members or most of them. First up, we have TO1, who debuted as 2, or TOO, back in 2020. And they debuted under N.CH Entertainment, I have no idea how you say that. But basically, seven months after their original debut, their company terminated their contracts. And there's a lot of legal troubles, but basically, in May, they got a chance to come back as TO1 under a different agency with all of the original members. And that's great to see them get another chance. And then the second group who had a re-debut this year was Pretty G, who actually debuted as a children's group back in 2015 under the name of Pretty. So half the members of the original group, that would be three girls, finally got to re-debut as a real, like, quote-unquote proper adult K-pop group. So they actually can have comeback stages now, do M Countdown. Do all of that thing. So their debut single is called Hola and it's really cute. And I hope that they have a good run of it. Now let's move over to some of the new blood in boy groups that we have. Before them, T1419 debuted on January 11th and it was MLD Entertainment's second ever group. The first one being Momoland. We actually almost talked about this group last year because of their pre-debut track, Dracula, which is really good. But this year, they have released four singles, and as of the writing of this script, they've already been nominated for awards this season, including Male Idol Group Popularity Award from the Asian Artist Awards. Omega X is another boy group who debuted on June 30th with the song Vamos. They're from Spire Entertainment, and the group is actually made up of former members from boy groups 7 O'Clock, Snooper, E-N-O-I, and One Team, as well as former Mix 9, Produce 101, Boys 24, and Under 19 contestants. On March 17th, Mire debuted from DSP Media, and they haven't actually debuted a group since Card, and that was in 2017, so this one was pretty hyped. Mire featured members who competed on Produce X 101 and Under 19, so again, more survival show contestants. The group has had a very good year and were even named 2021 Super Rookies by Star News. Last boy group we're gonna mention is Kingdom, who debuted back in February. They're produced by GF Entertainment, whose only previous group is Gigu. I personally find this group very interesting, but alas, I am a peasant and I initially thought that this group had something to do with the survival show, also called Kingdom. They do not. <laughs> I very recently figured out that they have nothing related to each other, but I was a fool. But this group is very interesting to me because they have seven members who all represent a different kingdom. And so far with each release that they have done, they have dedicated that release to one of the kingdoms. So they have released the history of Arthur, who is the member Arthur, whose kingdom is the kingdom of rain, and it's 
totally not based on the British King Arthur at all. Then we have Chiwon, Kingdom of Cloud. It's totally not based on the Korean philosopher and poet Cho Chiwon. And then, most recently, Ivan of the Kingdom of Snow, which is definitely not based on the Russian Ivan III. <laughs> Whoever makes this group is history nerds. There's just such history nerds, and I'm here for it. But oh my god, it's nerdy. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Are they gonna have like a D and D group next? <laughs> like oh I feel like gosh. that's like we're gonna. I feel like if we're getting like the King Arthur, like at some point they're gonna have to follow it up with that. It's very interesting because I did a very very surface level search on all of these historical figures, and you can actually see some of the inspiration in their music video. It is like somebody put effort into this. There is a history buff person out there. Working with this group that is just very happy or very angry because I don't know what they possibly have gotten <laughs> oh wrong. But you know, it's very interesting. We're still waiting for JYP's rock group, so like actual uh, still st- over stones, yeah. you know, like. G- <laughs> so we'll have I'm a history mad about group. That. We'll have a stone group. <laughs> Geology. The word geology. is geology. What I know, dude. I'm sitting here thinking, what's the word for the study of rocks? <laughs> <laughs> My brain was not geology. working. I, today is gonna be a long day. It's only what? It's not even twelve o'clock your time. I know, it's man. I've been up for we a few struggling. hours. I'm just I'm done already. <laughs> There were, of course, many other boy groups who also debuted this year, but not to sit here for the next three hours, let's jump right over to some notable girl groups. On February 17th, the girl group Tribe debuted. They are a seven-member group which has gone through a couple different name changes, and they are produced by Shin Sadong Tiger, who is the person behind EXID, but he's also a producer that has made a lot of hits, like a lot, and we have a link about that. Tribe's first songs were produced by him and Ellie of EXID. On March 4th, Hoan University debuted its first girl group under their new K-pop department. The group is called Azer, but they also have another group called Azer Blossom, which isn't a subunit. The head professor of the department is Shin Yona from the YG group Big Mama, and many notable idols have attended this school, including members of After School, 2PM, and Vix. And you might be interested to learn that this is actually not a new idea of having like a university sort of music group, as there is one that was around in the 70s and 80s. I don't know if it's still around today, but in its early years, Isuman was a member of it. As people graduate, like they change out the members. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing that, okay, we're now spreading it to K-pop, not just like rock and folk music. Then, on March 15th, Purple Kiss debuted. They are another seven-member group under RBW Entertainment, whose other active girl group is Mama Moo. So, Purple Kiss has a lot to live up to. What is interesting about this group is that they are considered a self-producing group, with member Na Gu Eun being part of producing and lyric writing. Chaeyan composes and writes lyrics, and Yuki also helps with lyric writing. Basically, they're given more creative input with their own work than your average K-pop group. On June 10th, Lightsum debuted as Cube's newest girl group and also their first girl group since they debuted G-Idol in 2018, three years ago. 
They have been doing great this year, and they are even the only girl group who has debuted in 2021 that is nominated for the Best New Female Artist Award at the 2021 Mamas. So we'll be on the lookout for that once the winners are finally released. As for co-ed groups, the only one that we could find who debuted this year is Triple Seven, which is made up of members from the boy group B.I.G. and members from the girl group Third Eye. The group is basically a seasonal project GH Entertainment has made, and they've stated that the group will continue to release songs, but the separate groups will continue their own activities as well, so we'll have to keep an eye out for what happens with them. Now that we're done with some of the new people coming about, let's talk about already existing idols and how some of them might have changed groups or companies or labels and whatnot because the entertainment industry can be a rough, rough place to be a part of. So, this year we had a couple of people who renewed their contracts with their current companies. Like all of the members of both N-Flying and SF9 re-signed with FNC. In addition to them, Mama Moose Hwasa re-signed with RBW. And then we have a couple of artists who joined new companies. Like we got GOT7's Yogyom, who signed with AOMG. Is that Jake Park's company? Is Jake Park's Yes, Park yes. I love yes. it. Yes, That's why it was such a victory. And Bam Bam, who joined Abyss Company Soros. Hate companies who use Soros in their name. There's a couple of them. Not many, but there are a couple of them and they all suck. Anyway. <laughs> that whole line. Yeet. Oh my god. <laughs> you said it with such conviction. You say I've got a lot of weird hills I die on. Like Europe. Uh, what with do me. I know? What what is your beef with source? It's just it sounds dumb. That's all. It just sounds dumb. You know, that's fair. <laughs> I'll I'll give it to you. <laughs> anyway. Former after school member Yui joined Lucky Company and Wei Wei's Win Win established a personal studio for his own activities in China. And besides idols, beloved MC Yu Jae-suk joined Antenna. We also saw a lot of departures this year. Groupwise, GOT7 left JYP Entertainment at the end of their contract. Disappointingly, but not surprisingly, well, it was kind of surprising because it's like, really? JYP tweeted the link to Dispatch's announcement about it instead of releasing the statement themselves, which we have issues with. We have many issues. This year, we also saw some idols who were with their companies for a long time depart from them. Sunday, from the second-gen group, The Grace left SM Entertainment. Sandara left YG Entertainment. BEG's Jaya left Mystic Entertainment. And ex-Beast Highlight member Junhyung left Around Us Entertainment. And finally, JYJ's Shia Junsu left JCES Entertainment to start his own one-man agency, which makes sense. As for younger groups, Gowoon and Soyul left very good after their contracts expired. Gugudan's Mimi, Soye, and Nayong left Jellyfish Entertainment. Infinite's leader Sungyu left Wulim Entertainment. And Yuna from AOA and AOA Black left FNC, which means AOA Black is officially gone. Because all the members are gone. Unfortunate. Okay. In addition to departures, we also had a few notable disbandments. First up, girl group Very Good disbanded in May, which wasn't surprising, unfortunately, as they had been struggling for a while. But then later that month, G-Friend also disbanded. This was especially shocking and still is controversial because it was so sudden and because of all the back and forth between what the company said and 
It was weird. However, three of the members are forming a trio under a new company under the name of Viviz. So that's cool. I'm excited to see what they do. More recently, in October, the boy group 100% announced their disbandment. This wasn't too surprising, but still sad as the group had gone through so much together. The most memorable tragedy for them occurred when their leader, Minwoo, passed away in 2018 following a sudden cardiac arrest. Their disbandment is understandable, but 100% will be greatly missed. The final one we want to mention is the girl group Lovelies. They disbanded about a month ago, as of posting this episode, and the most notable part of this is that it was actually foreshadowed by the member Soji Su, so fans kind of had a heads up, but of course that's still a sad occurrence. Now let's move over to the news section. This is where we have a news anchor jingle, but we do not. Ba-boom! <laughs> there you go, there's your jingle. <laughs> So, <laughs> thank you. So let's start off with a few non-K-pop related news, but still Korea. So this year, the movie Minari won Best Foreign Language Film at the Critics' Choice Awards, which is pretty good. In March, police raided an illegal borrow operation at an entertainment label in Seoul. We couldn't find any follow-ups to this story, as the label that it happened at has not been named. But it might come up in the future, so it's an interesting thing to keep an eye out for. Or it might just be buried and never come up again. Who knows? Well, the interesting thing is that they were running this bar, like, one of the areas which it was running was, like, in the trainees' practice rooms. They would just, like, sh set oh up gosh. shop there. Ugh. Like, that was why it was so... And they were also, like, breaking, like, COVID guidelines, and there was a bunch of stuff going on that it was just, like, this is wild. I want to hear more about it, but they, the source that I found, though, mm -hmm. just, like, kept it anonymous, which is very rude. I would love, I'm, I'm nosy. Tell me more. <laughs> so keep an eye out. We might hear some, like, idols redate from that place if they had to leave, redebut somewhere else, and then they'll come back to the story. So keep an eye on it. And finally, hotlines with North Korea were restored in October. So every now and then, North Korea cuts off all communication when they're mad, so when they reconnected it, it seems like a good sign. But then, later that same month, they announced that discussions about the two Koreas getting along fell through because of outside intervention. Which is unsurprising, because the US, among other countries, have openly been doing this for decades, so... Eh? And the US, as of when we are recording this, just the previous day, the US announced that they're going to be building permanent stations in Korea. They're mm -hmm. like, no, we are not going anywhere. So, <laughs> so I wrote in the script, whoop, uh, there it is. Yep. We were waiting for it. Came around. Let's switch to a different note and talk about K-pop news. About a thousand people signed up to be organ donors days after the rapper Swings talked about doing so in January. So he was a very positive influence, so very proud of Swings. In February, however, bullying scandals were everywhere. And this started right after two volleyball stars were suspended and eventually kicked out of their team when they were found out to have been bullies in middle school. This then spread to idols and other entertainers who denied the claims, admitted to them, went quiet for a while, went to work things out with the alleged victims, or refused to acknowledge it and let their companies threaten to file lawsuits. 
Although the news around this died down rather quickly, it's possible we'll still be seeing more fallout from this in the future. On a happier note, Brave Girl's song Rolling returned to the charts suddenly that same month and ended up winning first place on a music show, which was the first time that had happened to them. They've since gone on to release more music. However, February ended kind of badly for many K-pop fans when many songs were removed from Spotify due to contract issues with Kakao M. Me included, I was terrified. That's very dramatic. I'm sorry. Continuing on. <laughs> About a week later, the two companies came to an agreement, but that gap was pretty scary because Spotify is a big player in the Western countries for K-pop music. Then, in March, it was announced that TVXQ's Yunho was being investigated for allegedly violating COVID-19 regulations. There were many allegations surrounding this, including that Yunho had fled when cops showed up, which the cops themselves denied. So, keep that in mind. However, this resulted in Yunho departing from hosting Kingdom, separate from the boy group Kingdom we talked about earlier, but luckily, he was found to be not guilty of violating restrictions a few months later and has since returned to promotions with Changmin. Also in that month, some of the members of first-gen group Xinhua started fighting on Instagram. A lot of people were shocked to see the group fighting in such a public way, but they later confirmed that they had made up, so hopefully we'll get a comeback from them soon. I'm holding my breath. Then in August... Wavy's Lucas was accused of dating multiple people and treating them badly, among other allegations. And this all resulted in him being pulled from promotions. Then we have a couple of big company updates. Moomaland's company, MLD Entertainment, acquired three smaller companies. Basically, bought them up and made it into their own, I guess. It's like we're playing Risk or something, or Monopoly at this point. Yeah. <laughs> how much buying is going on. And then Mamamoo's company, Rainbow Bridge World, went public on the KOS Day AQ. Basically a part of the Korea Exchange Trading Board in South Korea. So if you're in Korea and buy stocks, you can buy stocks in Rainbow Bridge World, basically. And then Big Hit also had a big shakeup this year when it announced that they're gonna be changing their name to HYBE. And HYBE are merging with Ithaca Holdings and Bang PD stepped down as CEO of the company. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to HYBE in the coming year. And finally, let's talk about what happened with SM Entertainment because they got up to some stuff this year. In February, they were ordered to pay 20.2 billion won after a tax investigation. And then things went back to the 90s, starting with the release of the YouTube premium series, K-Pop Evolution, which they did not produce, but they got dragged into the discussion about when many viewers lost their minds thinking that SM had sold HOT's blood as merch because Tony isn't the best at explaining things. <laughs> There's a reason why he's not the main historian of the group. <laughs> For clarification, they did take HOT's blood and like hair samples and stuff like that to get the DNA thing and then you get like this card that you'd be like oh do I have the same blood type as my favorite person you know that was basically what it was it was like a whole kit thing but no you did not receive blood and hairs from the members that would well that would not be going too far for us um considering some of the other stuff they did to HOT but it's up there <laughs> no no SM did not do something like that 
This was then followed by SM restructuring to make SM Studios, which was hilarious because that was SM Entertainment's original name before they changed it in the mid-90s. And the final throwback was when NCT broke HOT's record of selling a million copies of the album. However, there are a lot of qualifiers with this that will be discussed in our HOT series, but it was just like, yay, they sold a lot. Then in May, everything went down. First, SM and YG Entertainment got downgraded by the Korean exchange, and following that, it was discovered that the former head of SM's A&R department had wrongfully added his wife's name to various song credits, which then resulted in serious consequences. But what those consequences were was never really announced. Probably a lot of money was involved. And yelling, but this is not the first time something like this has happened with SM, so... Yeah. <laughs> And to round this section out, Lee Soo-man was listed on the Pandora Papers, which isn't surprising if you're aware of what went down in the early 90s and 2000s with him. What is the Pandora Papers for us who know nothing? Basically, it was like a list of rich people who were getting up to shady stuff with money and like ah. properties and stuff like that. His section, though, it was like, oh, he had like all these other side businesses and... It's like, okay, I can see that, <laughs> but that's not like, in my personal opinion, that's not like in the, like the top 10 things we need to worry about with him, but anyway. <laughs> oh, also he announced that he was going to be stepping down this year. I forgot about that. And he was trying to sell like his shares and there's been a whole argument over that, which to my knowledge still has not resolved as of recording this. So SM's had a year. <laughs> and if anything catches your ear while listening to this episode, we have links all over the script. Specifically, there's one to the Pandora Papers, so check that out if you want. Speaking of people getting into trouble, though, let's talk about some law stuff that happened this year. And that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Except kind of not. <laughs> Several idols... I <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Several idols either went to jail, were sentenced to probation, or were charged with crimes. In February, BAP's... Well, former... Well... He hasn't officially been kicked out. I know, so. but I don't want to associate him. <laughs> Technically, also, they've also disbanded, but it's a whole thing. I know. I know. In February, BAP's Himchan was sentenced to 10 months in prison for sexual assault. A few months later, former EXO member Chris Wu was formally charged with sexual assault and is alleged to have done so on multiple occasions, including with minors. As of posting this, there has been no further news about Wu, besides the fact that he's in custody and has been banned from promoting in China. Good on them. Yeah, but there's no official trial court date. I know, yeah, nothing specific has come out yet, which is weird. But apparently, though, cases like this do take a lot of time to prosecute, which I assume yeah, that, that part of sense. that is that they've got to get evidence and line up mm -hmm. like witness testimony, that sort of thing. Continuing, the trial against YG also started this year, and a lot of witnesses have actually testified about him threatening a witness, which, interesting. The next trial is on December 6th, and we recorded this in the past, so we don't know how that turned out, but we will probably add a link once it is released. Meanwhile, other idols were charged with illegal drug use. Wee Song was charged in January with habitually using propofol, and two months later he was sentenced to probation. However, in November it was announced that he was banned from appearing on KBS programs because of it. That's not really surprising because KBS is one of the more strict broadcasting stations. 
Park Yu-chan was also banned from broadcast for similar issues, but for him, this also ties into contract issues, and not just the other stuff he's been convicted of. Former B2B member Ilhun was sentenced to two years in prison, but that was recently appealed, so it is not over yet. Again, we will add a link if any more news comes to light. That one's interesting because he it was appealed by both the defense, like his side, and also the prosecution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the defense yeah. said that's too harsh. The prosecution said that's too lenient. So they got to go again. And finally, former Icon member B.I. received a four-year probation sentence for his past drug use, at least according to this article. We're kind of iffy on the details of that one specifically. He was charged with it, but everyone's like, hmm. He himself said that he didn't use it, so I don't know. Yeah, but then there are also a lot of idols who say, oh, no, I didn't do this, and they get convicted later, so we got to be very careful. Just accept it. Which I'm very happy that a lot of people learned their lesson this year. A lot of netizens were like, I'm not going to jump to conclusions until I hear the whole new thing. And it's like, finally, you've learned. Let's move on to something lighter and talk about lawsuits. On the companies defending their artist side, KQ Entertainment filed against Sasangs who put tracking devices on AT's vehicles, which is terrifying. On the flip side, some idols won against their former companies. MLD Entertainment lost to former Momoland member Daisy and had to pay fees, but the company quickly filed an appeal. And then TS Entertainment lost against Sleepy, who claimed that he breached his contract. So another round for TS and they lost again. And Samuel won his lawsuit against Brave Entertainment and got to have his contract terminated, but the company is still going to try to appeal it. And finally, the most dramatic lawsuit of this year, because it's absurd, goes to Jong Wuyuk from HOT. He won the court case against the former director and CEO of SM Entertainment, Kim Kyung Wook. So this is where it gets wild. When he was director Kim back in the day, he had registered HOT's trademark in his name in 1998. And apparently he threatened to sue other people like after it. But then in recent years, he's threatened HOT of litigation when they wanted to hold a reunion concert. And he was like, don't you dare. I'm going to sue you. So they went, OK, we're not using the trademark. We're, you know, exiting out the logo and stuff like that. And he was like, absolutely not. And this court case has been a fight over the last few years. And it went all the way up to Korea's Supreme Court. And it was ultimately ruled in HOT's favor because director Kim shouldn't have had the trademark in the first place. First of all, there was an issue with him trying to get the members to sign over their rights to give up the name when two of the members were still underage. And also there were people missing their seals. Very interesting. And also the way that it was filed should not have been filed in the first place aside from that. So it's very dramatic. And also, here's the thing. He became CEO from 2001 to 2004. So this is just very wild. Like, what is going on with SM? But, of course, as is custom with him, he has filed an appeal. So they won, and then he filed an appeal. But hopefully the ruling will stand and the group will finally be able to promote again. Let's move on to something a bit nicer. So to end the law section, in Korea... Two notable laws were passed this year. Firstly, Guhara's Law, which restricts parents who were absent from their children's lives from benefiting from the kid's estate. 
when the children become successful adults, which is a good thing. And then the second law that passed this year is a anti-stalking law, which raised the penalties and added jail time for stalking people because it is a crime and people really should not do it and it's a problem. And this anti-stalking law is the first of its kind in Korea. So, good on them. But let's switch up and talk about something very different. Probably not that far away from laws, but still definitely not laws. Military. Who enlisted? Who were discharged? What happened? <laughs> so, some of the idols that enlisted this year were Teen Tops, Ricky, and Cap, Pentagon's Hui, Exo's Baekhyun and Chanyo, and Day6, Sungjin? On the flip side, a lot of idols were discharged this year, and this includes 2PM's Chansong and Junho. They had a comeback. 2PM had a comeback. Anyway, EXO's Dio, B1A4's Baro, and Jinyoung, both of which I'm still not sure if they're actually in B1A4 anymore. I they have not know. been part of any... I do... I can talk about this for so long because I don't understand. They had a comeback, but they were not part of the comeback, but everyone still uses the name with them. Anyway... FT Island's Hongi and Minhwan, Infinite's Sungjong and Wuhyun, B2B's Hyunshik and Sungjae, Pentagon's Jinho, and finally Blackbee's Yukon. So now that these people are out, some of these groups will probably be able to have a comeback. Some will still have members in the military and might have subunits, so that's fun. But anyway, those weren't the only big life events that happened this year. A lot of love-related news came out. Many fans were excited when it was announced that Red Velvet's Joy and Crush are dating. That's pretty cool. And other fans were excited when Aquinas from School Rapper got a boyfriend recently, since back in July he announced that he was bi. There's also been many idols who got engaged and even married this year. Not the easiest year to get married in. <laughs> I know. But you know. First up we have Bencino, who got engaged to Stephanie Mishkova. And then there were quite a few first-generation idols who announced their marriage plans as well. Like, Shim Eunjin from Baby Vox got married, as well did Jinushan's Jinu, G.O.D.'s Yun Kyesang, and Seski's member Lee Jae-jin and Yang Suwon. Happy for them, it's all good. And then in October, Sleepy announced that he was going to get married. To someone. Who knows? Not me. Do I know who Sleepy is? Not really. <laughs> He's a rapper. I guess. That's all I know. <laughs> I was like, sounds like a rapper. I think the person he's marrying is a non-celebrity, so that's why like the s identity of the person wasn't revealed. Right, right, Yeah, right. a lot of these people are getting married to non-celebrities, which are good for them. Honestly, <laughs> good for them. <laughs> but the most shocking marriage news came from Icon's Bobby, who announced his engagement and a baby coming. And it's so cute. On the topic of babies, it was also announced that Epic High's Mithra Jin and his wife are expecting their first child. And at the end of September, Icon's Bobby finally became a father. And lastly, it was announced that Exos Chen was going to have a second child. So cute. While there was a lot of joy this year, there was also some sadness. In April, Lee Hyun-bae, who was 45 RPM's rapper and DJ Doc's Lee Hanyul's brother, passed away. Then, in May, first-generation group MC The Max's Jae-yoon also passed away. The final person who needs to be mentioned is director Kwon Soon-wook, 
who you might know better as Boa's older brother and the reason why she ended up at SM because she actually followed him when he was going to audition and then she got in instead. Basically, it's the same thing as like, you know, Taehyung from BTS, how he went with a friend to his audition and then he just ended up instead. Those stories are kind of funny. But sadly, though, it was because it was announced that he had a cancer diagnosis in May and then he passed away a few months later. These people Mm -hmm. will all be missed. Now let's move on to some trends that we noticed this year. 2021 started with the trend of people making snow ducks. It was like this little mold that you just pack the snow in and you put it together. And it was really cute. A lot of people in Korea were having fun making these little ducks. And it was just a really cute way to start the year. A lot of K-pop idols did so as well. You could probably scroll back to January and find (laughs) little snow ducks. I just, I love that. I can't believe that was just this year. It feels like a very long time ago. (laughs) The funniest one to me was RM from BTS because he said that he bought basically the mold the previous year and he's been waiting so long to use it. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) He made the duck, like he made seven ducks to represent BTS and people were asking for updates. And it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Of course, they're going to (laughs) melt. You put them in the freezer. Take them inside. (laughs) That's so cute. As for K-pop, we noticed that there was a fall with co-ed groups. As we mentioned, there was only one co-ed group that debuted this year, Triple Seven. And older co-ed groups weren't very active except for KYT or Coyote. Obviously, that means there weren't a lot of releases either. Now, we know that there aren't many co-ed groups out there to begin with, but we do hope to see more of them next year. On the other side of that, we saw a resurgence of artists who hadn't done promotions for a while, and that includes BAP's Jungkook, who established a new company. He released a short documentary and also released some music as well. Related to that, a good few former YG entertainment artists also came back pretty strong this year. Like, BI, formerly from Icon, who we have mentioned before, released his first albums. He's going to release the second one. Pretty soon after recording this episode, actually. Lehigh released her first album under AOMG, this being her third album overall, but it's been a while since Lehigh has been allowed to release music, so that's very fun. Epic High released music again since leaving YG in 2018. It has also been a while (laughs) since we've had some solid Epic High comebacks. P Nation is still thriving, and even Big Mama released a single this year, who we also mentioned a member of in this episode, but they have not been making music for a very long time now. But since I'm the one talking about YG, you can probably guess what I was most excited about, and that is, what were the former 21 members doing this year? (laughs) (laughs) I am easy to please. So Park Mom, she has released a single this year, a promotional single but must have been quiet this year. Dara's Dara TV channel on YouTube is absolutely booming. It's going so well. Mincy is finally getting to release music again, which I'm pretty sure I said last year, but uh, that didn't turn out too well because she's had such a bad go at music labels. (laughs) But she is going to release her second single of the year this month, so that's gonna be fun. And then there is, of course, CL, who's had an absolutely amazing year, starting off with appearing at the Met Gala, along with Alexander Wang, who is kind of shady, but the sign's good, though, but, uh, eh. 
And also at that Met Gala, Rose, or Rose from Blackpink was also there, but she was there with YSL, or St. Lauren. You know, they were the two first female K-pop artists there. Very fun. Then CL also released a couple of standalone singles before releasing her very first album ever, Alpha, which she released under her self-managed label, Very Cherry. So that's very cool. Lots of good YG content this year. Yeah. <laughs> Former YG content. Former Everybody YG content, left. yes. <laughs> Gotta make that distinction. Yeah. Another trend that we might be seeing the beginning of is that there is a light stick shortage. Now, there's shortages all over the world, but this one is specific to K-pop. And according to an article from Koreaboo, there's a semiconductor shortage that's been going on since 2020. And as that's a key component of light sticks, this has led to them being harder to purchase at reasonable prices due to sellers raising them. So if you have difficulties getting one either this year or the next year, that's the reason why. The final trend we want to discuss is the rise in popularity of the Netflix series Squid Game or Ojingo Game. This Korean thriller horror drama was released in September and was an immediate success worldwide, being on the top 10 in multiple countries for weeks, only to be pushed out by the new season of You, in America at least. It resulted in people dressing up as Squid Game-related characters for Halloween and also had some recreations, like Mr. Beast's one that came out pretty recently. But yeah, we ended up watching the first two episodes yesterday. You guys seem to like it. I'm the only one that actually finished it, but <laughs> everyone else wanted to hop in, just check out what was going on. You guys enjoyed it? I like yeah. the aesthetics. And also, I feel like compared to a lot of other shows where it's like, oh, there's someone who's going to do basically do evil stuff, I feel like they really thought it through. <laughs> I have more respect for them than a lot of others. <laughs> I was expecting it to be much worse, I will say. This is a lot more humane than I was expecting. <laughs> With the bad guys, there was a lot of thinking. I think we're going to see a lot more Korean dramas and movies become big outside of Korea in the following years because of was it Parasite mm -hmm. right. that came out last year, and now Squid Game. They, they got the ball rolling. It's going good. Yes, that is for sure. As long as Cheese in the Trap doesn't make a comeback, that's all that matters. Oh. <laughs> don't spread that. <laughs> anyway, Min, why don't you take us into the next section? Yes, and for the final section, <laughs> we're slowly coming to the end. We want to talk about a couple of anniversaries that were celebrated this year. Two in particular. First off, we have Sai, who celebrated his 20th debut anniversary on January 18th. Although most people know him best from his 2012 release with Gangnam Style, he has a very long discography and an incredibly interesting story from where he came from to where he is now. And we wish for him to be active for many, many more years and hope him all the best and into the future. The other event that we want to mention is that HOT celebrated their 25th debut anniversary on September 7th. Their success caused such an upheaval in the Korean music industry at the time, and they also hold the title of being the nation's first idols due to their response to a crisis that we'll get into later. Kangta, who is the last member of the group remaining at SM and currently acting as the group's manager, celebrated by releasing new music for the first time in a few years and also recorded a solo version of HOT's hit song, Free to Fly. 
Uyuk, who is the vice leader and person Uyuk is cloned after, had a pop-up store that he even invited Michael J. Fox to because he's such a Back to the Future fan, as well as his first video call with fans worldwide for his new release, Ote Tonight. As for SM Entertainment, so far they've started releasing remastered versions of older music videos on their official YouTube channel, including HOT's debut song, Warrior's Descendants, and The Promise of HOT. This might not be the end though, as they've recently released a jazz version of The Promise of HOT, which I think was heavily influenced by Kongta because he's been really into the jazz this year. However, unlike when Boa celebrated her 20th anniversary, SM probably won't be releasing covers of HRT songs by junior SM artists, as a list about that was leaked early in the year and resulted in a lot of backlash from HOT fans. I think it started on Weibo or on some Korean site, and then it just spread to like worldwide. And even though it was never actually confirmed to be real or from SM, fans just went after SM. So if they were thinking about it, they sure gave that up quickly. The people, though, who had the most fun were the fans. They ran ads at the Coex station right by SM, which the group's magne, Jaywon, visited in person, and he was so excited that fans were doing that for him. And a fan-run HOT cafe had a lot of promotions that make me jealous and want to go back to Korea to try some of the drinks that they make there. And fans in general celebrated by making merch to give away to other fans, like there's a bunch of plushies that are going around that I really want. And also many fans got cakes and flowers for themselves as well. I think that they celebrated bigger than the actual group. <laughs> now you might be wondering, why was HOT talked about so much in this episode? Like really? I know that I speak about them a lot, but this is overwhelming. And that is because we are releasing an eight episode documentary series on the history of the group in 2022. It was supposed to be this year, but then someone uploaded scanned pages of the group's autobiography from 1999, and it was up for a few months. And that took me a couple months to go through, because that was 200 pages. It was over that, and I had to translate it. So that changed a lot of information, because some of it I'd never seen before. But it was in their words, so, you know, had to pay attention to that. So, in theory, because I keep saying this, if nothing else happens... And it can be released on time, expected in 2022. The trailer for it has been up since September. So if you want to watch that and subscribe to our YouTube channel, we will be linking that in the description for this episode. So you have something to look forward to. We are finally joining YouTube and putting content on there after how many years of people asking us to. <laughs> so I'm losing my voice. Let's wrap this up. So to wrap up, a lot of things happened this year and we're looking forward to what next year will bring. Although we mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, to reiterate, this is not even a third of what happened this year. If you want to see more, we will be linking our master list of events in the description and in the Google Doc for this episode. On that doc, you will also find more news and songs that were released. Now, let's move on to the song of the day. So today, December 12th, in 2006, SM Town released the 06 Winter SM Town album with the single Snow Dream, which is a company-wide collab single featuring TVXQ, Super Junior, The Grace, Boa, and The Tracks. And it's just a great holiday song. And if you want to listen to a lot of K-pop Christmas music, then I have 
the perfect Spotify <laughs> playlist for you, which you'll also find in the description of this episode. Listen at your own leisure. <laughs> yes, it's a good one. If you put it on random, you're probably not gonna hear the same specific track twice. <laughs> it's 15 hours, you said? Uh, yeah, it'll probably be more. <laughs> 15 hours plus. Yes. So, onto the trivia question. I said I had a question, and then I never actually worded it, I just had the answer. Oh, and not the question itself. <laughs> Why? This is gonna be interesting. Yes. So, we didn't talk a lot about solo debuts from people not already or previously in K-pop groups, but we had a very interesting debut from a singer who is not from Asia. What country do you think this mysterious female solo artist who made her debut in Korea this year is from? I will not be giving any hints. <laughs> I want to say Brazil. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. I don't know why. <laughs> There's a lot of Latin American countries and South American countries that really love K-pop. So that's what I'm thinking. True. I'm pretty sure that there was someone from Brazil that did debut this year who was solo. But Ooh. I could be wrong about that. But I would not be surprised, though, if there was also somebody from, like, Europe. Mm. Or, like, Russia. Well, Russia is mm. technically in Asia. It's big. A lot of Russia. <laughs> Russia's a big well, place, Okay, so man. the European Russia. <laughs> the European part of Russia. Yeah, not <laughs> all the way to Serbia. Not that part. Yeah, I'm going to go along with Brazil, too. That seems yeah. likely. Interesting. I really would like to see an idol from Mexico at some point. Ooh, that'd be mm. interesting. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah. Not next week. Next episode. We'll find out next episode. <laughs> this is the first trivia where I have no hand in it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Lots of other good stuff will be in the description, so definitely check it out. Also, don't forget that our final episode of the year and this season comes out on December 19th, 2021. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.